0: Before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years, I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello.
1: This is so 80s, isn't it? It's so (laughs) 80s. Don Johnson flashing up on my screen The pastel suits with the arms pushed up to the elbow
0: They were always going like this weren't they Pushing the the suits up The
1: highlights The speedboats Speedboats I was
0: so in love with Don Johnson So So in love
1: love. He was so pretty
0: But he had a lovely voice He had a lovely aura about him didn't he
1: he had a lovely backside. Kind. Handsome. Thoughtful. Shaggable. So I've been watching Book Club, the
0: next chapter. Now, I didn't particularly like the first film because it was all on Zoom and everything and all about being on lockdown. But the second one is they go on holiday to Italy. And I mainly wanted to watch it because it stars Diane Keaton. I loved Diane Keaton.
1: I liked him, the one in Jack Nicholson. As good as it gets, was it? Was that where she was a, a playwright and living in yeah, a beach house? Yeah, I Why do I that. not have a beach house? I don't know. Why don't you
0: have a beach house?
1: Because then I'd also have a beach house. Why? Why, Jones? Why? So I love Diane Keaton. I love the fact she looks her age
0: and she's got grey hair and she dresses in the sort of Annie Hall way. And I remember that was so influential when I first saw Annie Hall in the 70s and I went out and bought a waistcoat. <laughs> <laughs> And I started playing tennis. But it also stars Jane Fonda.
1: I love Jane.
0: Now, Jane Fonda was very beautiful. And also she made so many politically correct films as well. So she made films about nuclear disarmament and so beautiful. And she's Almost unrecognisable in this
1: Is she really? Well she's about 85 now
0: Well she's in her 80s But the reason we've been playing The theme tune to Miami Vice Is because she's engaged to John Johnson Who's in his 70s I don't
1: know how that happened Apparently I've, I've googled it And he's 73 Don Johnson cannot be 73. He's actually still very handsome, though. Isn't he's he? still
0: very handsome. He's very,
1: and he's got a good mop of hair still. I and do like the man with a good mop his of stupid hair.
0: stupid daughter is in all the Fifty Shades films showing her nipples. She should know better.
1: Is that her? Is that his daughter? That's his daughter. I didn't know that. With old Melanie Watson. I didn't. I knew know. That's his daughter. See, I just don't know how you can get your... your so you have, your a crush,
0: you have a crush on Don oh. Johnson. His daughter's grown up with her nipples in Fifty Shades. Oh. That's how you know you're growing old. Yeah. And he's now engaged to Jane Fonda.
1: I'm sorry, if your daughter's engaging in S&M on, on, on a cinema screen, you know you're old, don't you? But I, my only connection with Don Johnson is I interviewed...
0: In a London hotel, I don't think it was the Dorchester. It was... It, where was it? Very swanky London hotel. They're all the same, aren't they, once you get inside with the mini bars and the flowers and everything. He's not stating the
1: premiere so in there, me, has in,
0: So me interviewing Antonio Banderas was like that scene from Notting Hill where Hugh Grant interviews Julia Roberts and he says oh, he's yes, from I'm Horse sure. and Hound. Are there going to be any, any horses in your next film? I and she says, that. no, it's set in space. <laughs> so I was Hugh Grant interviewing Antonio Banderas. And she left Don Johnson for Antonio
1: Banderas. To be fair, so would I. No. Oh, come on. Have you seen him in that sorrow outfit? He's short. Have you heard him say the words, puss in boots? He's short. He's the voice, Liz, the voice. So I
0: said to him, why did Melanie Griffith leave Don Johnson for you? And he got very cross.
1: Well, yeah, it's probably a bit insulting. He got crosser than it's Bruce Willish really, when no. I was in his bath using his towels. No, but Antonio Banderas is a lot more sexy than Don Johnson. No, he's not.
0: He's not. He's not.
1: He's absolutely not.
0: He's not. He's not. Don Johnson, it's just.
1: A God. No, I mean, I wouldn't kick him out. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I wouldn't say no, obviously. But why have they got him paired up with Jane Fonda? (laughs) Well, she's in her 80s. He's in his 70s. We're going to have a little bit of compromise here, haven't we? But it's not a great film. It's
0: not. No, No, no. It doesn't make you want to go to
1: Venice. No. See, what film made me want to go to Venice was the one with Catherine Hepburn and that Beautifully spoken man, was it Summer Holiday? I think it was called. Not Carry On. No, 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 no. It was um, a Frenchman. Absolutely beautiful film. Where she fell in the water. Did you see the one with Johnny Depp
0: and Angelina Jolie set in Venice? It's no. one of the worst films I've ever seen. Absolutely awful. But this film wasn't very good. I could write a better film than this.
1: Do it. Do it and get Auntie Antonio Banderas to star in it, and I'll look after him. But
0: I have been shopping.
1: What have you bought? Do you know I haven't been shopping for years. No, I'm afraid the only shopping we do is horse shopping, isn't it?
0: Like, my only handbag from Prada was given to me by Prada in 1998.
1: And you're still protecting it from Teddy. Well, it has been a little bit chewed. Has it
0: been a bit chewed? Yeah, he does keep going into it.
1: I haven't bought
0: anything for years. I virtually buy things and I put them in my virtual basket. Normally chairs. She also does this for houses. Houses, chairs, things from SCP, sofas. I put them in my virtual basket. Bed linen, When I watched an episode of Sex and the City and Carrie was in the Russians' apartment in New York and they had this red blanket, I tracked down the red blanket because I thought I have to have this red blanket edged in ribbon. And was
1: it worth tracking down? Yes, still in my virtual basket. (laughs) So, you've got the virtual house and then the virtual furniture and the virtual bed linen. But then I had to buy some
0: actual clothes because I'm going away for work next week. It's a very high end story because I'm high end and I cannot look like a tramp. So, I went to Zara in York, my nearest metropolis. It was absolutely awful. It's what has happened to, to Zara? I think the only great high street shops are in London. I'm sure if you go to Zara in Knightsbridge, it's amazing. Yeah. It's like when I went to Primark in Somerset, they didn't have any cashmere. I said, why do you No, we only have cashmere in London? They don't care about people outside London. I didn't even know Primark did cashmere. It did. It did a £9 cashmere sweater. But only in London, yeah. and so, so I went to Zara, and there were all these half-naked girls. Why are girls half-naked in Zara? Thinking it was a bee's knees, I wanted to say to them, "This is rubbish." They didn't even have a decent sweatshirt. Everything was too thin. The underwear was awful. Everything was rammed. The shoes were the worst shoes I've ever seen. The knitwear was terrible. What's happened to Zara? Don't know. It was like Top Shop in the 90s It Should've was just gone to next. awful
1: Should have moved along a bit to next
0: No I'm never going in the next No 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 One no, day I'm going to blindfold
1: no, you Push you no, in and lock no, the doors no. Be like a horror film for you
0: <laughs> So I had to go online Because I was very into The Dries Van Noten news show And it had these oversized double breasted blazers And I used to love Dries Van Noten I used to have a beautiful embroidered sort of Indian sheer shirt from Noten and it just sort of fell apart. So I ordered from Zara an oversized double-breasted blazer, but I could only get it online. I couldn't get it in York. No. Forty nine pounds, beautiful, beautiful. It's not in my wardrobe because I've got moths.
1: No, well, you, you've got a win, are you actually? Because you've got moths in the wardrobe. And you've got collies outside the wardrobe. Yeah, it's sort of hanging, Elevated. hanging on a hanger. Then I ordered from the
0: Outnet in the sale a dress, Van Laten t-shirt and it is absolutely beautiful, beautiful, oversized. An oversized Stella McCartney sweatshirt, tracksuit bottoms because I like to have an oversized silhouette at the top and then very narrow down below.
1: Yeah, I'd like narrow
0: anywhere. So I'm going to have a very narrow Prada s- skirt that's also 20 years old. With the lining taken out I so say, it's you've sheer. You've
1: customised it recently, haven't you? Yeah, I took the lining you out the so it's sheer.
0: So very narrow. So you have to go in at some point, you see. This is the key to dressing. You can be quite billowy with a big, oversized Juice Van t-shirt, but right. you've got to go in at some point. So
1: I'm okay. I'm very billowy. Um, but where do you go in at any point? Ankles. I go in at my ankles,
0: but it's funny because I've been shopping and everyone thinks it's quite frivolous, don't they? They think fashion is frivolous and looking after yourself is frivolous and Botox is frivolous. But it actually raised my mood more than having yeah. a session with the psychiatrist.
1: Well, we talked about this before, didn't we? Sort of like in your old life. Don't say
0: we're repetitive. No,
1: we're not. No, we're, I mean you and I in, in your old life. You you used to self-medicate, you used to cheer yourself up with nice things, you know, you go and get flowers and shopping and have a lovely home, and, and now you can't really do that in the same way, and it is quite depressing, isn't it? You you find that quite difficult.
0: I sort of steered away from hiring, I know there's been lots and lots and lots of press about hiring clothes, and Carrie Johnson hired her wedding outfit, and Carrie Johnson hired this, and Carrie Johnson hired that. Um. When you, the reality of hiring clothes is you have to hire them for a minimum of three days. They have to arrive. Do they arrive on time? You have to send them back. It's all too much hassle to me. And
1: yeah. owning something,
0: like I know I'm going to treasure that Zara jacket for 20 years.
1: Yeah, and, and also it's buying pieces, isn't it, that will go, with that jacket will go beautifully with jeans It'll go lovely with your formal skirt, your Prada skirt. You'll be able to get a lot of wear out yeah, of it for 49 yeah. quid.
0: But I think it's different owning stuff to hiring stuff. And everyone's been going on about hiring, how it's eco-friendly. Stop having children, buy clothes.
1: So what's your tips then? You've been shopping. You've got yourself like a, some basics. What's your my tip tips My tips are
0: oversized on top, skinny on the bottom.
1: Would that work for my shape?
0: No. No. Don't rent. Get it in the sale and get pieces you will wear and wear and wear and wear and
1: laugh. I'm going to ask you a question now. I've got something that might excite you.
0: Is it Morgan Harker?
1: No, no. If I said to you now and then, would that mean anything to you?
0: Now and then. Now and then. Sort of.
1: Think, think. Shall I put you out
0: of your misery? Is it a chair?
1: No, it's the Beatles' new release later this year.
0: It's by AI, though.
1: It's by uh, AI. Yeah. Have you heard no, of it? No, I don't want AI in my Beatles. Well, no, what what they've done is it's I John want Lennon. His, I
0: want his book of photographs.
1: Where is that? Where I've got his stamp. PR wouldn't send it to you, would they? <laughs> but no, it's actually John Lennon. It's not. It, it's it's Enhanced by our, so what they've done is they've taken the demo tapes And there was one song that they couldn't get before now But now with advanced technology They've been able to separate his voice from the music And then put it against a new new music and re, restyle it So they've remixed it So you'll actually have a new song out later this year By John Lennon With his voice
0: well, it's weird because I wrote a play at Easter because I don't eat chocolate, where it's a one woman show and it uses the technology where Paul McCartney sang with John Lennon at Glastonbury from the roof at yeah. Savile Row. And that moved me to tears. Yeah. Seeing Paul sing with John and John, it was like John was alive. Yeah. And and I was so upset when John died, and it changed the whole course of my life. Nineteen eighty, I couldn't function. But seeing at Glastonbury Paul singing with John with this new technology. So in my one woman play, we are using the new technology. Yeah. So a dead woman duets with somebody. And it's going to be incredible.
1: It's going to be incredible. The whole thing's going to be incredible. Actually, I think so. No, it is. It's it's even if
0: even if it's just you and me acting it out. We've done that
1: already. We've done that already. Now, who do I remind you of? Who? 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 Jennifer Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston or Salma Hayek. I I can be either. I I don't mind which one. But both ladies have been posting their pictures with their wrinkles and their and their and their grey roots. Both of them. But how can Jennifer Aniston be old? She's not. You look at her. I mean, there she is, proudly. I mean, she's got a, a hair colour thing out, so she's she's promoting that. But she's in the mirror with these grey roots which blend beautifully into her highlighted hair. You wouldn't even know. With her dewy, beautiful, youthful face. And I'm like, okay, you're flying the flag for women with roots. It's not it's not comparable, is it? It's not me. You're flying the flag for beautiful women with roots. Yeah, but I
0: I always have had a soft spot for Jennifer and no, I, love
1: I loved Rachel,
0: although I was more Monica because she had a vacuum to clean a smaller vacuum and then a smaller vacuum to clean another and she was always cleaning which is me and she was very OCD which is also me I love Jennifer Aniston and I remember when I put her on the cover of Marie Claire and I went to LA and they lost my suitcase and she gave me a pair of knickers
1: oh new ones I hope well I didn't mind that much no Okay, no, I don't want to share anyone's knickers. And she signed about. a Polaroid for me.
0: I've got wow. it in my Tiffany box.
1: Oh, great. Do you reckon we could uh, like eBay it or something? Shall we? <gasps> I wonder how much money we get.
0: Not much.
1: We can try. Can't we? I <laughs> have got
0: all these original photographs
1: from yeah, covers
0: that I did with famous people signed, original prints by Patrick de Marchellier. I want to sell them.
1: Yeah,
0: look at Sotheby's or something. Because Patrick de Marchelier is dead now, it's more expensive when they're dead.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, let's do it. Let's see how much we can get. I'm all up for selling photos. No one needs photos. It's not like it's of their dogs.
0: So I've got original signed de Marchelier. We've print. got Audrey
1: Hepburn. Haven't I've you? got Audrey Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn's amazing. That's my favourite one, actually. That's beautiful. Yeah. Audrey. I mean, Audrey Hepburn's beautiful. But you so know, I went favorite. to the I went to the auction of Audrey
0: Hepburn's clothes. Mm. And Gosh she was tiny She was tiny She was she was literally like a little mouse And The woman doing the auctions Had all these letters And Audrey gave a dress So She gave all her clothes to her staff yeah. It wouldn't work with us <laughs> You know her Wardrobe person Her cleaner, her housekeeper I try and shove my leg in at least Don't you worry and she had all her clothes made by Givenchy. And Givenchy, so Audrey wrote this letter, and the letter was auctioned as well, and she said, can you allow an extra inch each side of the seam so that when I die and I give my clothes away, they can let the clothes out? Wow. That was Audrey Hepburn. That's sweet,
1: isn't it? Oh, oh I love her. I really love her. She was beautiful. Do you want to know what I've been reading this week? You've been reading Yellowface? Yes. Well, I knew that. Okay. Well, maybe the listeners don't know, do they? I've been reading <laughs> Yellowface, everyone. Do you know, uh, you haven't read this yet, have no, you? I'm going to I it don't get you. any
0: books. and it keeps them all. No,
1: no, I actually, I actually bought this and I'm listening to it on Audible, which is really well narrated. And I've, I've looked at it. It's been out a couple of weeks. So I'm a bit late to the table. And I looked at it initially and thought, mm, not sure I fancy this, you know, not, not sure this is for me. And, it was on Twitter. It was everyone. Everything. It's getting such good reviews, isn't it? It's getting amazing reviews. I thought, I'm going to have to read it because it, it actually does look quite good. It is brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. So if you don't know, it's about two authors that meet at college. One's very successful and one goes on to be quite a flop. And they're they're friends that aren't really friends, if you know what I mean. They meet up for a drink here and there. And one night she goes back to the rich one's flat, the successful one's flat, the flop, and they have a pancake-eating competition and her rich, successful friend dies. So she steals her just-finished book off of her desk and Face is a reference to the accusations later on in the book about cultural misappropriation and stuff. So basically, the successful author was Chinese and the protagonist that, that is actually very narcissistic and, and not at all likable that steals this book and edits it and publishes it as her own is white and the book is about Chinese labourers in the world war and then they become sort of accusations about should she be writing it you know they start questioning should a white person be writing it and there's so much to this book it it's no baggy lines, as you'd say. It's really fast moving, and it's it starts and it just grips you as it goes along. And there's so many different issues in it. You've got you've got plagiarism. You've got should a white person be writing about Chinese heritage? Pancakes, pancakes, which obviously attracted. That me. must be my
0: cooking. If it killed her <laughs> it,
1: yeah, your pancakes are like bricks, aren't they? So you've got hatred on twitter you get one person on twitter that's attacking her you can't really feel sorry for her because she's just an awful person but the bullying and the death threats and the night and it just is really i mean we've all seen it on twitter something is said and it blows up out of all proportion and it just becomes absolutely vile so there's there's so much to think about and so much to talk about in this book I think my favourite about it is the irony that the author of the book, the author of Yellow Face, is an Asian author, and she's writing about a white person who's been accused of appropriation of an Asian woman's book. So there's this absolutely joyful satire about the whole situation, about the real author and, and the author in the book. And it just works really well. It's witty, it's clever... It's quite dark. It, it's. I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving it. I've got about a chapter to go. I'm definitely going to get it for you for you, for your little trip away because I think you'll really enjoy it. Well, it's a, it's it's the
0: same as. There's been a lot in the papers this week about Ian McEwan, who's one of my favourite writers, being 75 and here his best books. And I loved Atonement. I absolutely loved Atonement. It's so complex and rich. And I love the film. But he got into so much trouble writing about what it is to be a nurse, nursing soldiers who came back to London. They were in hospital and he stole stories of nurses. But surely as a nurse, you want your story to be out there. You don't want it to be ignored.
1: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. No, and absolutely. and. I think you know at the end of the day it's about being respectful isn't it there's no reason why as as a man or a woman you can't write about the opposite sex or you can't as long as you do it in a compassionate way or yeah but in a i don't way.
0: any men in my fiction they're just complete bastards well
1: that's cause it's mainly your experience isn't it? <laughs> we we speak as we find jones we speak as we find So do you want to hear this week's column? Let's do it. Is it as awful as last week's? Because I still haven't recovered from last week's. What was last week's? week's? Oh, I had online sex. No, 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 no. I don't know if you actually got that far. No, we didn't because we
0: didn't want to do it.
1: No, and for that I was grateful. For that I was intensely grateful. But this column is entitled, In which I
0: grieve for my former self.
1: Because I, I feel I'm not the same person I used to be. Well, we actually talked about this the other day, didn't we? When we were going somewhere, that we we didn't recognise ourselves. No, from from the previous people that we were.
0: So yeah. the first line of this column is: I've just had Botox, and I'm not sorry.
1: Sorry, not sorry.
0: I had an email from a friend the other day. It was after my abortive date with white Ferrari guy. She wrote, "He's renting." Yeah, he drives an expensive car. He has his priorities all wrong, which is probably true and doubtless what springs to mind when you read, read I've just had Botox, not to mention the fact I've placed in a virtual basket a Dries Van Noten white tea, a Stella McCartney sweatshirt and some track pants,
1: which we just talked which about. Which they've, they've arrived. I'm
0: yet to check out as it all feels so frivolous so unnecessary. I would far rather these days be browsing the Zara Home website. Can you believe on Zara Home there was a candle that cost £139.99? It cost £139.99 on Zara.
1: Zara's own make? No, this is
0: collection, but it's still oh. on the Zara. No, no. How many it's wicks did it have? How many wicks did it have? That's what I want to know. No. But when you're renting... Making your home nicer is pointless. Like so many people these days, the only thing I own is myself. A few inches of tired, sun-damaged skin. On Sunday, I met my friend for lunch. Like me, she's in her 60s, child-free, worked hard all her life, single. She could have sold her business a few years ago for millions. She's been very generous with employees, family, friends. Her mortgage has just shot up. From £500 pounds a month to £1,600 pounds a month interest only.
1: That's disgusting. It's insane. It? Why is no one making more of a fuss about this? I don't know. Well, who can possibly, who can possibly They pay can't, they amount? can't. They can't, no.
0: Shocking. It's as though after a lifetime of hard work, stress, I mean, I've had no life really, no. we're teetering on the edge of an abyss. Like me, she's estranged from a sister. Her nephew's about to get married, but she isn't allowed to attend. I haven't heard a peep from my nephew since he texted me a couple of years ago to ask for the password for his iPhone, which of course I've been paying for. I know he has been brainwashed. I've been having weekly therapy with a the psychiatrist in Harrogate, but it isn't helping. The psychiatrist is trying to get to the root of my nightmares, which wake me at 3am without fail every single night. Always, in my dreams, I'm back living with my sister. She's bullying me. I'm having to hide a bottle of wine in the wardrobe. The only thing that gets me through the night and through the next day. My sister's objection to me drinking was never about my health or welfare. It was about, why is that money not being spent on me and my son?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: I used to pay her son to clean my car and put the chickens to bed. But there's a shared history with my sister that's inescapable. It's about nostalgia, how we used to get the giggles. I miss my nephew, now in his mid-twenties, and I wonder, what on earth is he like? What does he do for a living? Is he married? Is he happy? I was there for the post-birth flowers, the play nest, the navy onesie, his first Xbox, his first PlayStation, his first Apple laptop, his first iPad, his first iPhone, his first Hermes sneakers, his first diving lesson, his first driving lesson, his first flight in a biplane. We hear so much of children separated, wrestled from their fathers in divorce, but we never hear yeah. about the aunts bereft, tossed aside when are no longer useful. And the world has, like my ovaries, run dry. This friend I met for lunch is the one lending me her car until I can afford to get another. I tell her I really want a Land Rover Defender. After I get home, she sends me an email. Volvos the nice. No. I think the crux of my problem is this. I'm grieving, not just for my nephew... Not just for my London house, not just for Gracie. I'm grieving for the person I used to be. Dynamic, successful, happy, high-end, optimistic. I'm not a Volvo person, I email her back. Trouble is, perhaps now I am. My sights are set too high. I must accept it. I exit the outnet and log on to H&M. I feel next and pa'una. A beckoning like an open grave.
1: You know what open grave is? Judgment Day. Go to next. You'll love it.
0: I hate next.
1: Well, do you know what's interesting? When you was reading that, and I was looking at three am, waking up at three am in traditional Chinese medicine, that's liver time, and liver is all about unresolved anger and high levels of stress. I am angry, so that makes absolute sense. I'm so angry. That someone
0: could destroy my life and I'm so angry that I haven't had any recompense and I'm so angry that I haven't been apologised to and it
1: literally wakes me up every
0: single night.
1: Well, it's actually showing because that's when your liver energy is heightened and that's why you wake up at 3am. So that's what you need to do is find a way to release that anger. How do I do that though? I don't know. I don't know. That's one fear. A psychotherapist.
0: I kind of get the idea that people don't believe me that I'm so challenged, and I had a. Th- feeling with the professor i saw and with also my new psychiatrist they don't really believe me because my psychiatrist said to me well you've got a very big digital imprint where have you got no money you've got a very big digital imprint you're successful you won awards why are you in such a terrible place and they don't believe me and they don't believe i'm that stress, stressed stress and they don't believe that i can't get on a plane they don't believe i can't walk my dogs and they don't believe that i'm only safe when i'm in bed but the end of this zoom session with about 10 minutes to go Someone knocked on my door. The dogs went nuts, and I literally had a breakdown because someone knocked on my door. I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Oh no, I know, I know, I have to, I oh know, no. And the dogs are going to kill, and there's it, the door locked. And no, no, no. She saw on Zoom me having a breakdown because someone knocked on my door. Yeah. And up to that point, she didn't believe it no. because I can cope. I have to work. I have to function. I have to turn up on time. I have to catch the train. I have to get the plane. I have to buy my copy. But moments like that, when someone knocks on my door, I literally have a nervous breakdown.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the trouble, isn't it? If you are very stressed, if you're struggling with anxiety, if you if you're ill, like you know, with me, with, with like a, a, a chronic illness at the moment, and you cope and you get on with it. People look at you and you, they think you're fine. And they don't actually understand what it takes for you to get Because we can put a fa- on a facade. Yeah. yeah.
0: But during that Zoom call, because someone knocked at my door and the dogs went nuts, the facade just disappeared and she saw who I she really am. She saw the
1: crisis of it, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And I'm sure she was shocked that someone could have a meltdown just because someone's knocked at the door. Yeah.
1: But that's the thing, isn't it? If you're suffering from stress, anxiety, depression... PTSD whatever it is that challenges chronic illness it only takes a very very small thing to just push you and it's too much it doesn't take a lot you know if I'm not feeling well I know I can run after Boris if he's run off and I feel like I'm going to die afterwards I feel awful and it doesn't look much it really doesn't look much it is it's a shame, really, because people don't see under the veneer. And you have to cope. What, what, what are we going to do? What are you going to do? What am I going to do? What's all the people out there that are trying to look after their kids or, or, or money to put a roof over their head going to do? You get up every day, you put your clothes on and you put your persona on exactly the same way as you dress yourself because you have to function. Music.
0: You Can read this week's diary in full from Men on Sunday's You magazine.
1: So, talking of stress release, your archive's a bit about stress release,
0: isn't it? And how you code. well, this is slightly connected to, to my nightmares, and I kind of think I did start drinking because. I had no money. I was hiding from my, in my bed, in my house, in my bedroom from my sister. And I couldn't cope because I was so terrified and I was so upset. And I'd always tried to do the right thing and I'd always tried to look after everyone. What do you want? What can I get you? Let's stay at the Hempel Hotel. Would you like an outfit from Burberry? Um, I just threw money at staff. Um, so I started hiding a bottle of wine in the wardrobe because I knew if she saw a bottle of wine, she'd say, "Why are you spending that money on yourself? Why are you not spending it on me?"
1: It actually—I mean, I was—I was there, so you know, I've seen this firsthand. It was actually unbelievable how you suddenly had to be accountable for everything you did. When you were the person that owned the home, you were the person that was putting a roof over everyone's head, and it was your money. Your, yeah. it was, it was, it was. And you know, you can, you can, you, can, you
0: can testify, can't you? I never lost my temper with anyone. No. I never lost my temp- temper with my nephew. No, I never, gave him. If do you want a zip one? Do you want a holiday in Africa? Never.
1: Do you want a laptop? And it's a shame actually because people that think you don't like children. It's absolutely untrue because, like you, I mean, again, I was there firsthand. You were amazing with your nephew. You had, you helped him with his homework. You bought him a laptop to do his homework with. You 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 spent time with him. You you always spent time with him doing. But it's funny, I bought him
0: stuff from when he wasn't even yeah. born, and little navy play suits and everything, and play nests, and the first export, the second export. I remember they came from to me at Christmas in London, and his new gaming thing hadn't arrived from Amazon, so I drove to Oxford Street and I bought him another one, and I sort of poured all my love into him, really, and now I don't even know what he does for a living. No. So this is my archive piece from 2021, and it was a very difficult piece to write, but I wrote it very quickly, and it was about having my first christmas without alcohol and i think because i was a very nervous person i when i was offered the job of marie claire and there was going to be an interview in the guardian on monday i remember i had a glass of wine because i that was the only wine you to cope with my nerves because i'm so nervous yeah and i think it's slightly genetic because two of my sisters are alcoholics my sister in laws alcoholic my dad drank a lot
1: And it's that quick fix isn't it Like for me it's not drink for me it's food But it's like that quick fix Where you have something and you think Okay I feel a bit better now I can cope again now
0: I'm just a very very nervous person Yeah
1: Yeah. well I've seen that get worse And worse and worse And it's kind of at its peak at the moment isn't it
0: What me being nervous Yeah Yeah. So this is 2021 It was a very difficult piece to write anyway Mm -hmm. Normally, this was at Christmas, around this time of year, i will have placed my order at the local deli, 12 bottles of Cremon de Loire. Not as dense and yellow as champagne, but more festive than Prosecco, which tastes like dishwater. Deli man always arrives in a Santa hat, skipping through snow, before depositing two cases that chink merrily. Ta-da, that's me sorted. One bottle for each of the 12 days of Christmas, if I can control myself, that is. I will have been to numerous parties, apart from of course during lockdown. Before each one I will have a cool, crisp glass before trowing on makeup. I arrive on heels, and the moment I check my coat, I will scan the room frantic for the young man or woman reeling a tray of fizz filled flutes. I have to stop myself from sprinting <laughs> and then I remove my precious cargo with a boarding house grip. I sip. Only now am I brave enough to talk to anyone. I try not to down the first flute too quickly. Showing tonsils is never a good look before snatching the next. This has been my routine since 1999. Unable to stop for the next two decades. I never touched a drop before then. I looked down on weak people who drank. I'd grown up with a father who was posted to East Africa after the war and he became a to the expat lifestyle. De-mobbed in the UK, he would go to the pub most nights on his own, not with my mum, in a car. As a child, I remember lying in bed, unable to sleep, until I heard his car on the gravel safe. Two of my sisters became alcoholics, as did my sister-in-law, Laura. His telling, I only became aware of how bad their drinking had become at my dad's funeral. He died at 82... Suffering no after effects of a lifetime of drinking. See, it doesn't affect men in the same way as women, I don't think. With the women in my family, it was different. I met my brother and his wife the day before the funeral for a meal, and I couldn't understand why Laura kept missing her mouth with her fork. She's an alcoholic, he told me. He'd never mentioned it before that, because men become very ashamed. Hmm. She was a teacher, very shy. She had the odd sip of wine to help her socialise. But when their home was blown up by a gas stove, they lost everything and her drinking changed. Not too long after my dad's funeral, Laura was found, only in her mid-50s, dead in a flat alone.
1: That's shocking, isn't it? That's just
0: awful. Awful. And she was so beautiful when she was young. She was absolutely beautiful. And she left my two nieces and they are just such beautiful girls.
1: Yeah, must be devastated. And
0: I remember they played Adele at her funeral because Laura used to love Adele and we're all sobbing. Mm. My oldest sister Claire wasn't like me. She was an extrovert, vivacious. When I was a teenager, I went to stay at her house and was shocked to find an empty bottle of vodka in my bed. But there were no other clues. She just seemed good company. The first impossible-to-ignore behaviour happened again at my dad's funeral. She almost fell in the grave. It was like something out of Ab Fab. Yeah. Claire, like Laura, had children, a husband, a huge bar conversion, a Porsche. She died far too young, young in her 70s in assisted housing. My second older sister, Lynn, is alive, only just. She started drinking in her 20s. She was an intensive care nurse at the National Heart Hospital in London. The hours were very, very long, the pressure was very, very great. She was always telling me that every night they had to crack open a chest, we cracked open a chest, we massaged it with our hands. And she would go to the pop, she would go to the pub afterwards to wind down. The trigger that turned social drinking into the pathological came when her son died, when he was twenty-one. She came to stay at my flat in London a year or so later, and I stupidly left her alone as I had to get back to Yorkshire. The next night, I got a phone call from a number I didn't recognise. It was a doctor who'd come across my sister wandering around Clerkenwell. She'd gone out, probably to buy booze, because I didn't leave any in the flat, and she'd forgotten the address of my flat. Luckily, my phone number was on a piece of paper in her pocket. She's never owned a mobile phone as it's too complicated. She's barely able to cope with anything. Consequently, I grew up with a fear of alcohol. I didn't want to end up like the women in my family. Plus, I've always been nervous. So I wanted to be on so I wanted to be in control, alert, on guard. I've never taken drugs either, I've never smoked. Yeah. But against my retiring wolf, Flower judgment. I accepted the job as editor of Marie Claire. I turned it down at first. Is it the package? The publisher asked. No, no, no. I'm terrified, I replied. But she was persuasive, so I took the job. I was tipped into a world where not only did I have to hobnob with well-dressed, super-confident magazine mavers, designers, movie stars, models, I was always confronted at every event, even breakfast, by a smartly dressed young person wielding a frisbee of flutes. I resisted. I'd stand with my glass, reassuring to have something to hold, as my palms would be sweating. But then I was no longer new in the job, and as I pushed boundaries with my cover choices, bigger women, black women, older women, I got into hot water with my bosses, which made me desperate for something to dull the fear that gripped me. I was also surrounded by women who were younger than me, but every single one had a partner. They had a life. They'd spend all day on the phone to their other hearts, or they'd be on prime location. They never seemed to do any work. And I'm a workaholic, and this annoyed me for two reasons. First, they were wasting time. Second, because I didn't have anyone. Christmas 1999, and what I did have was a beautiful house, a BMW, a wardrobe stuffed with freebies, but I didn't have a man. For Millennium Eve, the biggest night of the century, I needed to be more laid back. I needed to have faith in my allure. I needed to have fun. I opened a bottle of champagne. I was seduced by the ritual, the unwrapping of foil as though it was a gift. The pop, the fizz, the hits of the brain. As someone who's thin and barely eats, that thrill was into instantaneous.
1: And it all comes past, doesn't it? It's like a luxury. You have champagne. Yeah. It's a real well, it's luxury. it's something to
0: do yeah. as
1: well. Feels like you're treating yourself.
0: Alcohol became my armour. It made my life, which got worse. I was sacked. I was made bankrupt. It made me rash, such as taking part in Celebrity Big Brother. It was like I no longer had any judgement there. It's just like I have grappling at straws what will save me what will save me what will save me
1: well it's a typical flight or flight instinct isn't it at the end of the day you was just trying to find something and grabbing to to see what
0: and on Celebrity Big Brother and you weren't evicted you're like oh Jesus I'm still out came the alcohol they used to ply us with so much alcohol it's the only way I got through it yeah I suddenly had no money for food, but what I did have, miraculously, was my M&S store card.
1: How come they didn't take it away? I don't know, but we loved that store card, didn't we? But the problem was then, I don't
0: know about now, Marks didn't deliver food, but what they did deliver was champagne. And so that is mostly all I had, box after box, for two years it took to officialdom to destroy me and make me lose my house. It continued... Date with a man, glass of champagne, because why not? I'm worth it. I deserve it. It breaks the ice. I've only ever had sex sober once.
1: Possibly a good thing.
0: The day I'm discharged from bankruptcy, open a bottle.
1: Yay!
0: A line of dolly bottles on the plane. If you've been sitting behind me on the plane, you just see my head craning along the gangway to find out where in hell's name is that trolley! When are you coming? In 2018, I tried to stop. I was worried about a stroke, breast cancer. You know, you read the papers, it's bad for you. I wasn't sleeping. Alcohol was making my anxiety worse. I went to a retreat in Switzerland. It all went well until I watched a French film. It was so beautiful. Pergolas, sunshine, glasses of wine. Everyone looked happy. No one was Edna the inebriate woman. Drinking isn't bad, after all. We all deserve a treat. The years passed. A retreat In Mallorca, where I learned of my high cholesterol. No, didn't deter me. Where once I'd half a bottle, then one. During lockdown, I was perilously opening a second. I must be easily swayed or have a genetic disposition... But I watch Love Island or selling sunset, and every situation would be celebrated by clinking glasses of champagne. On Love Island, what do they do? They get those awful white glasses, yeah, and then, yeah. it's so endemic in our society, it isn't is. it now? It is. My brain says, "Well, it's normal. I want to be like the young women on Love Island, young, desired, celebrating, in a thong, under boobs. I'd wait the next day and a glass would be at my side. Did I watch succession or didn't I? It took a crisis to stop me. At the beginning of 2020, I was walking my dogs and I felt unsteady. I returned one evening, took a sip of Cremont, and the room started to spin. I could barely make it up the stairs. I had two weeks of me vomiting. I had to call Nick, who lives nearby. One night, my vomiting was so bad, she died 999. The paramedics came, saw I wasn't dying, and because of COVID, refused to admit me. On my one good day, I made it to my GP who just prescribed medication that would melt in my mouth as I couldn't slip water. I couldn't even drink water, could I? No, it was
1: horrific. Absolutely horrific. It went on
0: for weeks. The world would spin. I'd be confined to bed. I'd throw up. I had a brain scan. The GP didn't ask about drinking and I didn't volunteer, I was too ashamed. But I had a blood test and there was no damage to my liver. Yeah, I remember when I got that news, thinking how mad I was, I spent a fortune on skin cream, facials, facelifts, revived skincare. But surely drinking is the worst thing you can do for your skin, your looks, your health, not to mention your body. Eventually, I went private and I was diagnosed with vertigo and it balanced in my left ear. Hearing loss, which I suffer from and renders me completely deaf when I'm stressed, can cause balance disorders, even when sober. I was prescribed diuretics. I'm not allowed to drink one on medication, and the ear, nose and throat professor told me that alcohol can worsen vertigo and not help stress. Like everyone I come into contact with, the professor at Harley Street noticed my panting. What are you afraid of? he asked. Everything, I replied. Goodness, he said. No wonder you drank. Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com
1: or tweet me at
0: Liz Jones Goddess.
1: Do you want to know what the readers are saying? Go on then. So we've got Diane. She said, Dear Nicola, sorry to hear you're not well. I hope you'll soon be feeling better. Thanks, Diane. She also said, Regarding Lizzie's dog with the dental problems, wouldn't it be better to have the teeth removed? As I'm sure root canal work can be just as some person. She had two teeth removed. What are you on about, Diane. Well, I don't think she'd read that when... when, when well, she's so. had
0: two teeth out.
1: So, yeah, update everyone on Minnie. So, Minnie had two teeth out because they were cracked and it cost £4,700. It did, didn't it? She went to a very fancy but very good clinic. But she's she's doing much better now, isn't she? She's she's back to eating her chicken. Yeah. And we've got... But she only likes waitrose. She only likes waitrose and it has to be a certain temperature. Yeah, it can't be cold. And at the moment it's hand-fed, isn't it? It's hand-fed.
0: Oh, I love money.
1: So Alex said, It was fascinating to read your experience with aura reading in the Daily Mail this week. I would consider myself to be a bit of a sceptic when it comes to these things, but I'm thinking about going to see a psychic to give me some guidance in life. I think it may benefit you to visit one as well, to be able to gain some idea of what sort of the future holds for you and where you may end up, especially at this difficult time in your life. I would love to get your thoughts on it or even hear about any experiences if you've seen one in the past. We have, haven't you?
0: Well, I saw Mairead, who's Irish, lovely woman, and I went to – she had a clinic just off Oxford Street and I was about to move from London to the countryside and get divorced. That's all she knew about me. And she said, yeah, I think it would be a really good move for you to move the country. I see you surrounded by trees. It's some sort of sanctuary. It's a really good move. Sell your house in London and go and live in some – sort. But she said I also see you surrounded by bottles. Wow. Maraid said that.
1: Wow. And it was a sanctuary though, wasn't it? It was a sanctuary. Not for long. Until until she moved in. Well that's it
0: from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones's diary the podcast, why not visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz
1: Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.